Hey there, everyone. Next on the Midweek Move, Acts chapter 18, and a very, very special guest. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Midweek Move. Everybody knows I'm Scott, and we have an amazing opportunity today to really dig into the Word. We are going to make a move today for sure. And today I have a super special guest. Uh, again, when we have guests, are special and all that stuff. But man, today, God's really knit something together in this relationship. It's so cool how the kingdom of God is so much bigger than we are as individuals, as we are as churches entities, nonprofits, whatever. And God has really knit something very, very special together. So uh, today we have a very special guest, lead pastor, Church at Red River. Eddie Briery's yeah, with us. Man. Hey, buddy. How glad, are you, man? I'm good, dude. Glad to be here, man. Oh, man. Glad to be joining all you guys on the Minute Week Move. Uh, it's an honor, man. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's going to be good, man. There's some awesome, awesome yeah. stuff in here. All right. So as is our custom, we are about to go line by line. So let's dig in. Acts chapter 18. Again, we're going to dig deep today. Uh, we're not in the shallow end today. We may start there, but we're going to get in the deep stuff. And uh, we believe that when you get a little bit deeper, not only do you get knowledge, you get revelation, man. Yeah. You get stuff that yeah. not only you come away with information, but you come you come away from the Word of God with revelation, not just to uh, regurgitate to somebody else, but to live it to out. To live it out, yeah, for sure. Live it out. All right, Acts chapter 18, uh, verse 1. After these things, now we see these words. When you see these kind of words right here, that means something has happened beforehand you need to pay attention to. Right. So what we've come out of is... Uh, you know, last week we dealt with uh, Paul was preaching in Thessalonica. You know, he's ministering. Uh, people, there's unrest. All kinds of things are going on. There's philosophers at Athens. You've got the Jews are seeking a sign. The Greeks are seeking wisdom. Their signs and wonders are happening, and Greeks are looking at that. And then there's there's wisdom that's happening, and Jews are connecting to that. I love how God flips the script. They're looking for a sign. God gives them wisdom. They're looking for yep. wisdom. God gives them a sign. And then Paul stands in front of the Aeropagus, and he gives this amazing kind of dissertation, for lack of a better word, and he just lays out the gospel. He's referring to their own idols. He's referring to their own poetry. He's referring to their music, their culture, and everything, but yet in the middle of all that, he does not leave out the most important part. He talks about Christ, yep. and he talks about him crucified, yep. and he talks about him resurrected. Yeah, has there not been a better time? in society than to go back to the main thing. Oh, no doubt. In the midst of all the idol worship that we find ourselves, which we're going to dive into on this podcast today, yep. to go back to the town center and go, man, let me tell you about this dude named Jesus. Yep. Let me tell you about this dude that gave his life to change your life. And I love the fact that Paul goes counterintuitive to almost everything that we're yes. taught, kind of in church marketing strategy, which is, man, go into the culture and be so relevant. Be That's right. So many times you and I know people who have become so relevant that they cross that line and then Jesus is no longer the focal point. No longer. Almost. It's almost like you have to search to find Jesus. <laughs> right. Like, there's doubt. There's doubt. Like, hey, are you just a charismatic speaker? Right. Are you a motivational speaker? Right. Or are you a preacher of the good news? But do we don't we live in this idea that we think our our connection to culture and our relevance gives us influence? Right. But authenticity and transparency 
is what breeds influence. Yep. They, they don't want a person that they can be like. They want a person to follow. And they want to see the person that's on the grind when it's not cool, when it's not relevant, when life's not all high-five and hunky-dory and, you know, cupcakes and rainbows. They want right. to go, man, if that dude can trust this Jesus and that, yep. I'll follow that guy. Yep. And if I follow that guy, I'm going to end up closer to this person, Jesus, which is ultimately the goal is to lead people to Jesus. So there's never been a better time yep. to have this conversation than right now. Yep. And one thing we talk about all the time is an unbelieving world is not looking for an echo of something they're already hearing. No. They're looking for a voice yes. that sounds different. And we had talked in the past about John the Baptist. Like, he never goes to Jerusalem one time to preach. No. He never preaches in the temple, and he never preaches in the synagogue. He's yeah. always in the Judean wilderness. Yet, oddly enough, Pharisees are always there. Always. They actually make the trip out and sacrifice their time to go out to hear a man they hate. That's right. And it goes back to, I think it was Wesley who said, catch on fire for Jesus and they'll come to watch you burn, even if they hate you. Even if they hate you. <laughs> and so I think that we're so, we're so ingrained with this mindset that somehow we have to be an echo of culture to reach culture, but culture's looking for a different voice. Yes, without a doubt. Man, they're looking for something that sounds different. It looks different. Like, even if they don't like it, no, and even if they're foreign to the idea of following Christ, we live in a consumer-driven mindset. And what they're saying is culture has given me or provided for me a buffet of things that I'm tired of eating. Just give me another buffet. Yep. It doesn't necessarily mean the consumer mindset goes away. It's like, can I go to a different place, a different voice? Give me something to choose from. Yep. And we have a prime opportunity to throw the gospel out, to throw the things of God out. Um, but the things of God have to be different than what they're tasting currently. Because Paul, in the midst of the Aeropagus, it's not that everybody's like, yeah, I'm all in for Jesus. Like, they mocked him. Yes. Especially when he started talking about the resurrection. Right. Which is a whole other subject because there are a lot of believers who are super comfortable with Jesus just still on the cross. Yeah, but he ain't there. Because once he comes off the cross and he's getting the... Look, the cross is all about him offering all of mankind forgiveness for their sin. Right. You come to the cross. We can't be on the cross. No. He went to the cross. Right. But our part actually comes through the grave. That's right. Because when you go through the grave, you go through the cross, you got to go through the grave because yeah. now you got to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, which means life has to change. The way you talk has to change. Death to self. Like yeah. everything yeah. has to change. So all of these things have happened prior to this. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Boom. We're only in verse one. <laughs> and there's already so much in here. Why is Corinth so important, Eddie, to like not just this moment? But future and even right now, like Corinth is yeah. like this super hot button place. Why is Corinth so important in this passage? Yeah, so when we see Corinth in, in this context, Corinth um, hadn't always been under Roman rule at this time. So Corinth had become this, this epicenter of trade, this epicenter of idolatry. It, it is where, um, you know, the, the worship of, of sex took place. It's where... They worship the god of Aphrodite and all of these Greek mythological things, which is crazy. It all points to self-pleasure. Right. Um, it's very present there. And then Rome rises up against Corinth, and it says the city laid in ruins for a century. Right. Like dormant, which was the epicenter of life, good life or bad life. Like bad life is still life. All right. It's still it's still life. It does it doesn't it's 
we like to say it's death. Well, actually, it's just bad life. It's not death. Uh, lays in ruins, and and then this this Roman Empire, this huge, super important city that we know as Corinth Day makes its itself known, and it doesn't take long for it to resume its identity again. Yep. For them to take back ownership of idol worship and uh, self pleasure worship and, and gods of sex and all the things. So Corinth is this wicked city. Like yep. Corinth is, and if you see that in the Book of Corinthians, sin is a flesh eating bacteria. Yes, <laughs> and it is riddled with, and it, it just oh, goes man. right. Man, you open a door. Oh, and it just never stops. Boom. Humanity right. just jumps right back in the flesh. And we, we think about today, and it's 2022, and man, the level of perversion that we live with is off the charts. But yep. the Bible says nothing new is under the sun. That's right. And, and in the city of Corinth, we have these people that it that they were ultra creative in sinning in the beginning. <laughs> right. Like, they, they were the poster children for, like... New new ways to sin, new ways to, before the iPhone was a thing or whatever, they they were very in tune with pleasing themselves. Yep. So it created consume, 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 it, consume, it, consume. That's right. Me, yep. me, me, me. What what else can I worship to please please myself? So. Yeah. So this is this is what's going on. So he goes to Corinth and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. We're not exactly sure uh, when they became believers. The, 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 the actual time stamp is not necessarily there for us. But we know that they were uh, dispersed out of Rome uh, because they were Jewish. Yeah. Uh, so the diaspora didn't just happen from Israel out, right. but it also happened from other nations out. Right. Um, and so uh, they're dispersed from there and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation, they were tent makers. So I think this is really important right here because their connection isn't in the synagogue or in the temple or at church like we would think. Right. Their connection comes from what they did as an occupation. So it's in the marketplace is where their relationship develops. Right. There's two 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 parts of that jump out to me is is that he came to them. Yep. Um, I think that I think it's a call to 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 believers and, and pastors like ourselves that we, we should be in the practice of doing things with like minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, there's not a lot of days left. You know. We don't know the we don't know when, but the days are numbered. Yep. And I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna go into the field and work, I wanna go in the field and work with somebody that wants to work on the same things I wanna work with. Yeah. That's so good. the fact that he went to them showed me that they were already doing it before Paul got there. Yeah. There was something he saw in them that was like, bro, they there's something special. About them, I can see the spirit of God in the this this couple. I, I want to do work with them. Yep. So that part, and the second part is this tent making part. Even in modern day missiology today, when you hear about missionaries that are out trying to, they all refer back to the tent making. The tent making. The the provision for that allows them to to go and 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 do the work of the ministry. Right. So. The the idea of this marketplace to me has always been intriguing because in our context, it's almost like you're taught 
to train the people to do the work of the ministry, and then your job is done. Like right. you, you get to go and 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 chill or whatever. But I've always been like a hands-on kind of guy. Like I'm not yep. going to ask my church or, or 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 another person's church or his group of people. I'm not going to ask them to do something that I'm not willing to go and do myself. That's right. So so I love the idea that that there's this marketplace connection that goes. This is outside the walls of the church, the synagogue. So. So I have a friend who pastors a church, and there was a season in their church where he literally required every single staff member that they had to have a part-time job once a week in the marketplace. They could choose wherever it was, whatever it was, someone of baristas. He himself, we're talking about a pastor of a church of thousands, worked at a water park in the summer <laughs> as a gopher. In a water park. This is a in a in a bigger city. Yeah. He's a mega church pastor. He's he's well known on television, everything, and he's working as a gopher slash lifeguard at a water park. Wow. <laughs> Just to be with the people. Just to be with the people. And so that's one thing in in my heart and in my life that that I have tried to institute is to make sure that God has not called me to manage church people. Right. He just hasn't called me to—I'm not a manager. Right. God's not called me to manage church people. Yeah. God's called me to do life with people yeah. and and to lead people to Jesus. That's and so I can't good. do that if I'm only around people who believe they're saved all the time. That's right. You know, it has to be out and out and out. So, um, And I want to encourage all of you, like, whatever you're doing as a job, like, that's the field. Yeah, it's it's the like and, and and maybe it's on us. Maybe maybe the people in my seat and in and and Scott's seat, we've we've done a poor job at affirming the seat God has you in. Yep. Like there is authority in being a teacher for the sake of the gospel. There is yep. authority in being a uh, physical therapist for the sake of the gospel. There is a, an authority of being a stay-at-home mother yep. for the sake of the gospel. Like there is kingdom authority in the seat God has you in. You you don't have to be on the payroll for a staff to make a gravely large investment into kingdom things. That's right. And I love the fact that Paul is modeling what he will go on to teach throughout the New Testament. It never changes. It never changes. And so he's doing the work. Verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. So he's working, but then when he comes into the synagogue every Sabbath, what's he doing? He's reasoning with them in the synagogue. He's serving and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. He's not limiting God. This is one thing that drives me absolutely crazy about modern American church. We invite people to come to church. We call it family night, and then we divide the house. And then we tell people that, hey, you can only minister to three-year-old children. Hey, your calling is only to 13-year-old right. teenagers. Hey, your calling is only to women who are 22.5 years old who have 2.7 children. It's like we micro this thing, and I love it that Paul is not just ministering to one small— yes, he leans at certain seasons and certain times yeah. toward a certain demographic, but that's not the all-encompassing of his ministry. God's calling to all. Right. It's like we bank on, on the assignment instead of the calling. That's right. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we because our calling, our calling number one is to serve. People. Period. Yes, without question. Is to serve. Yes, that, that is our calling. And the way we do that in a season may change. That's right. 
but the call is the same. That's right. I, that's why I love the fa- I love churches that are founded on the principle of serving, um, and not just serving and doing good things. But I'm talking about everything as unto the Lord. Yeah. Where like somebody will be on the platform one week preaching, and the next week you'll see them in the parking lot. Yep. Man, that'll take care of your uh, pride. That's absolutely. Pretty quick, without question. Because the moment that person comes up to you after you <laughs> preach that home run sermon and says, "Oh, that was the greatest sermon I ever." heard my life. The next week, somebody's yelling at you in the parking yeah, lot because you didn't bro, give they a took good my seat. parking spot. Yeah, they got my spot, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So good. So he reasons in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuades both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. So he's not just telling them good things. Everything's pointing to Jesus. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But when they opposed him and blaspheme, so this word blaspheme is now used, which we have to assume in that word blaspheme that it they are blaspheming Jesus yes. because Paul is preaching right. Jesus. Right. So they oppose him and blaspheme. He shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So this gives that whole allusion to Old Testament where you would literally do things physically yes. that were actually a spiritual principle. That's absolutely right. So even with baptism, they would walk themselves down into the mikvah. Yep. They would walk into the mikvah. They would decloak themselves. They would walk down in the mikvah, immerse themselves in water, and then they would walk back out. Right. The old is gone. The, the new, new has come. come. But if it if it is only a physical act, it will become perverted, right? And it will become an affront to the kingdom of God. Yes. Thereby, that's how you end up in Greece with uh, with spas, uh, where they would have mikvahs on the outside and they would cleanse themselves. They would go inside and they would have orgies and they would come outside. They would cleanse themselves and then that's they true. would. I mean, that's so. In the midst of all of this. He's using this as an uh, as an illustration of of an inward work. Yeah, like I don't want any part. Yep. Like n- I don't want any part of this conversation. I don't want the dust of this temple because you got to remember this is amongst temples of worship. Yep. He's like I don't want any of this on me. Like there's no flirting with idolatry. I don't want a fragrance. Nothing. Not even a morsel. Nothing. nothing. I don't even know. I don't want people to know I was even here. <laughs> like I don't want you to say my name. I don't want to. Oh, well, Paul stopped by. No, no, no. He's like. Nope. Every fiber. Not of, even a fragrance. No, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So it's crazy. That's right. So he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Eustace, which we would call Justice, one who worshipped God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. This is huge because you've got the ruler of the synagogue now believing in Jesus and not just him, but his entire household. There's a price that this guy was going to have to pay. Crispus. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So not just hearing the gospel, but even hearing of Crispus. Right. This head of a synagogue given his whole household to the Lord. Yes. Now that makes an impact on these ungodly Corinthians. With nothing except the gospel. Just the gospel. It's like a it clearly when I read this in, in pre- preparation for this podcast, it's like, man, have we not overcomplicated everything? Like Paul didn't even flashingly preach the gospel. He just preached it. And told him about a man. The same with John the Baptist. Like the one they, the one that stood in the woods and said, "Prepare 
yep. for the one who is coming. Like prepare for Jesus. Yep. Paul, same, man. Like nothing culturally relevant. Like this is Jesus. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Yep. It's beautiful to me. And a ruler of the synagogue. Listen, we cannot emphasize that enough. It's a huge thing. This is this is massive. And not again, not just him, but his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Now there's a lot going on in the in the area, in the region, not just in a in a city, but a whole region. Because when things happened in Corinth, it wasn't just about a city, it was about a whole region. That's the amount of impact that happened. So the Lord speaks to Paul in a vision and says, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now, I'm going I'm to turn this to you in a second, Eddie, but I think it's important that we understand this. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night, Do not be afraid. Why would the Lord speak, Do not be afraid? Well, it gives an inference that Paul is afraid. Yes, because Paul had spoken that to the Lord. Yeah, we forget. Like when these words come to these people in the Bible, we forget that these words come for a reason. Yeah. It's not because they're superheroes. It's not because they don't need. It's right. because Paul, the Lord has given him a word about fear because he was fearful. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And and Paul, like it, to me, it spoke to Paul's relationship with the Lord that that he was able to come to him and said, hey, look, look, Father, this this." This thing's got me jacked up. Yep. I'm, I'm fearful. This, even with people giving their life to the Lord, even with the Corinthians, right. some of the Corinthians are giving their life to oh, Jesus. Man. A ruler of a synagogue is saved. I mean, God's doing all this stuff. But when God is doing something, the enemy is always. Always, man. He's either going to counterfeit it yes. or he's going to come against it. Yes. It's going to be a counterfeit or it's going to be a counterattack. Yeah. Catch that, y'all. It's going to be a counterfeit, which is so meant to good. deceive, or it's going to be a counterattack, which is meant to destroy. So good. Either way, the enemy's coming. He's not going to leave it. So, so in this, Eddie, the Lord speaks to Paul in a vision and says, Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. So in your personal life, I, I know there's many examples, but, but have, have there been moments in your life where a certain situation was happening like that and the Lord just came to you? Yeah. Um, you know, this past, the past year of my life has been, been a testing to, uh, much like Paul, where, uh, the work of the ministry is, is off the charts. You know, the work of the ministry is, is fruitful. And, um, but in the, in the personal parts of life, it's been very difficult. And, uh, I've had, I've had multiple times with the Lord. I, I could take almost the whole podcast and share, um, the times that the Lord has spoke specifically to me. And I can remember that even the time stamp you know, about yeah. a word from the Lord. But but most recently, even last week, um, just to kind of put it in a nutshell, you know, three and a half years ago, um, was going through a really difficult time. Um, was living on faith, traveling, tent making. I was working. I was traveling and preaching on the weekends, uh, putting food on the table for the family the best I could during this this time and and um, begin to have some phone conversations with some some churches and some organizations and, and things that on earth it would look like I was a shoe in for. Sure, like bro, you're you're the perfect candidate for this position, and and I'd go and I wouldn't hear back from them, or I'd have you know two or three rounds of conversation, and you're like, man, this is it, bro. We're you know moving to Texas or whatever, and um, 
it's just no, it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no. And I'm like, I just began to get super defeated, like overwhelmingly defeated. And, you know, what's wrong with me? Has my ministry been a facade? Is it fake or is the favor of God uh, gone? You know, and I just... Has his hand lifted? Yeah, I was just struggling, man, a hard, hard season. And I was like, wow, you know, this this is crazy and crazy and... Um, fast forward to, to this past week, you know, I'm, I'm in Dallas um, at a conference and I wake up early in the morning um, to drive back to Shreveport. And uh, while I went to take a shower to get ready to hit the road, uh, I received a phone call or a text message, not a phone call from one of the organizations that that I felt just looked over me, you know, just like you're it's not it's not um it's not the time or, or whatever, and I received an organization or a text message from this organization that, that essentially said, look, we're starting an, a new campus um, at the beach, which is always the part of a family dream. You know, one day the Briaries were going to end up at the beach, right, and raise our family at the beach, and some circumstances in, in, in personal life have, have shifted that uh, drastically, but um, we, we want to know if, if you would come and, and pastor this, this new campus at the beach, and it was almost like the 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 audible voice of the Holy Spirit told me, son, it, it wasn't you then, and it's not you now. Yeah, I saw you then, and I see you now. And yep. it's like he allowed me to receive this text message to affirm something I couldn't see three years ago, three and a half yep. years ago, because I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I didn't know what he was protecting me from. I didn't know what he was protecting my family from. But it was the kindness of God that allowed him or allowed me to see that um, he saw me then yep. and, and he sees me now. And, and maybe you're listening to this podcast today and you're like, bro, I can relate to that, dude. You, you are speaking my language. Well, I just want to affirm you for a second and tell you that that you don't know the behind the scenes. You don't yep. know what is coming. And I want to affirm you that that he sees you That's good. now and, and he will see you then. And uh, to just rest in that, rest in this this vulnerable spot of like, Lord, I'm scared or Lord, I'm mad or Lord, I'm frustrated. Lord, I'm sad. Or, um, where are you essentially? Like, do you even see me down? Like all I've ever done is serve you. And I feel like maybe, maybe you can, you can resonate with that. So, so just lean into the fact that yes, he sees you and yes, he hears you. And, um, I promise you in, in due season, um, that affirmation will come because I choose to believe, and I know Scott does too. He still speaks in the night. Yep. Uh, so press into that. Yeah. And I love the fact that it says that the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. So it's not just something he's hearing. That's right. It's something he's seeing. Yeah. And I don't know how you process. For me, I process in whispers and visions. That's kind of how. Uh, when it's really something heavy or something the Lord really wants to make clear to me, yeah. it's either really soft yes. or it's something that's right in front of me. It's Absolutely. almost like it's almost like I'm, I'm in a Tesla with a uh, with with the dashboard on the windshield, right? Yeah. And so I can be driving down 49 and I see everything and I'm fine, but at the same time I'm seeing a vision of something totally different, crystal clear, and it's clear. Yep. But I still see what's going on in the natural. That's the way the Lord speaks to me. Yes. And it's normally in those times I'll pick up the phone. I'll be like, Hey, man, I'm on the highway. Here's what I feel like the Lord's saying to That's you, right. or whatever. Or here's what the Lord's saying to me. So I love the fact that that God's not just speaking to Paul, but He's actually showing him some stuff too. 
And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. When Gallio was proconsul uh, of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Now, this is a whole other thing. Now, Paul is Paul's continued in Corinth, but now there's a there's a shift happening. And so uh, the proconsul of, of a whole region now, the Jews are rising up against Paul. They're bringing him to the judgment seat. This is a big deal. And, and here's what they say. This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words, uh, names, uh, and your own law, look into it to yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Now, this is important because some may read this and go, oh, man, you know, Gallio, he loves Paul, man. He's all he's pro-Paul. No, that's not the case here. He's actually anti-Jew. That's right. <laughs> and so it wasn't so much, hey, I want to let Paul off the hook. It was more, no, I want to make them mad. Yes. I'm going to drive them out. And here's the encouragement to you. We talk all the time in the American church about finding favor, finding favor with yep. politicians or finding favor with business people or finding favor with whoever. But it's not about finding favor with them. It's about having the favor of the Lord. And the way that we have the favor with the Lord is leaning into the Lord. Yes. And then even if business leaders or political leaders don't like us, they will make decisions that actually will be in our favor, yes. not because they love us or our message, but because they may hate somebody else. That's right. And then God will work that together yeah. for our benefit Yeah. because we love God. That's right. Because our focus is on God. What, so maybe it's just maybe it's just me, or maybe it's you. Uh, like I wrestle with some of this thought. Like I wrestle with the thought that there were in my lifetime, which is not that long ago, there were times when city leaders and officials took their cues from the church. Sure, no doubt. It's almost like we've forfeited all influence. Yep. Of becoming a culture that we were trying to lead. That's right. Like we had it all along, but becoming like what we were trying to lead, we lost it. Yep. I struggle with that. Oh, I, I've always struggled with the church leaving. You know, we had a mass exodus of churches from the inner cities right. years ago to the suburbs or even further than that. Yeah. And we can see the reverberations of that mm -hmm. in our inner cities. Not that there aren't people in the inner city doing amazing things. There are everywhere. But we can also see how it was divisive, how it it it, it didn't draw people to Jesus. No. It didn't lead people to Jesus. We literally had churches taking the cross off the top of one building in the inner city and marching it out to wherever there are yep. other I say that because that is an actuality of something I knew for a fact. It's crazy. And I think that it's important that we take the cross back in our own life, the cross that we've picked up and following Jesus back yeah. to the places where it was eradicated. It was, it was, it was brought out of those places. Yeah. And I think that the, the tension for me is – is not rebelling against the leadership in cities while at the same time maintaining 
that I will not follow into an ungodly pattern of behavior. No, yeah. I refuse. That's right. It's it's like um just like we talked about in the book of Acts where where they they you're forbidden for saying the name of Jesus. And they're like, well, whether it's good to listen to you or to God, you be the judge of that. But yeah. we can't help but speak that which we know, which right. we've experienced, yeah. and we know to be the truth. Which is not a new concept. No, it's not. Was it not Joshua's last word? <laughs> like, you can go serve the gods of, of whoever you want to. You can go serve the gods of the Amorites. You can go to the gods of the Far River, the Back River, or the Side River. But as for me and my house? Yep. Like, we're going to serve the Lord. Yep. And that's not rebellion. No. It's not rebellion. No, it's not rebellion. It's that you do what you want to do. Yeah. We've taken that Romans 13 concept, and we've taken it to the nth degree to to mean that we obey the governing authorities no matter what. And no. that's not the Word of God. No. Because if those governing authorities are leading you towards ungodly, anti-Jesus behavior— That's right. That's not the Lord. And it's not— and so while we're on this, <laughs> while, while we're on this conversation, can, can we not call things that are not persecution, persecution? Oh, right, right. Like, oh man, we're under religious persecution. Come on, bro. No. While you're in your comfortably lit auditorium with the nicest camera, no blow on camera, I'm thankful right, for all this. Right. But can we not say because they ask us to, quote unquote, not gather for a moment <laughs> that we're being persecuted right, against? Right, right, Like, Seriously. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. While you're on your pajamas on your couch, come watching on, the man! Online. Seriously, like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, too much. Too much. <laughs> when there's real persecution that has happened over the centuries, real persecution, absolutely, and even in our city, yeah. And we need to be ready for those moments. Yes, if we're not ready for those moments, we're in trouble. If we're not ready in those moments, if we're not ready to be crucified upside down. I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. But it's coming. But the reality is at any moment, wherever we are, that can happen. Yes. And we have to be ready to give an account. It can not, be, it can happen if you're if you're if you're living like you're supposed to be living. If you're living like this right here. But if they if they can't spot you in culture, you may be safe. I mean, not everybody said yes when Paul preached. That's right. And they were trying to stone him. Yeah. I mean, they took when Jesus said this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing in the synagogue. They took him up to a high place and tried to throw him off yes. the mountain after the enemy had taken him to a high place and yes. tried to tried to get him to give up his identity, mm. right? So all this stuff is going on. Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, uh, the ruler of the synagogue, again, another ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things because he didn't care. He didn't care about the Jews. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Quilla were with him. He had his hair cut off at uh, Sincrea, for he had taken a vow. Now, we don't have time to get into the Nazarite vow, but that was a very real thing. That wasn't necessarily uh, for everybody for a lifetime. Sometimes it was for seasons. Right. Uh, but Paul evidently walks into this season. He feels like the Lord's led him into this season. And he came to Ephesus, another epicenter. Yeah, man. I'm talking about something happens in Ephesus as next level that we're still living in today and left them there, meaning Priscilla and Aquila. Yes. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay a little longer with him, he did not consent. I love this. Just because it was going good, he didn't just sit there and bask in the glow of the mountaintop. He was like, no, no, no. I did what I was supposed to do. Now That's I need right. to, you know, every conversation you have with somebody 
you may not be the one that leads them to Jesus. That's right. You may just be the seed planter, or maybe you're just watering some stuff. Or the harvester. You're not the closer. That's right. And by the way, you're not the one that leads them. It's the Holy Spirit. That's right. You're just a conduit that God, and you're not the closer. That's Jesus. That's right. Like, it's all him. We're just, we just get to be a part of this awesome thing. And learn to be thankful in each, in each part of the equation. That's right. If you are the guy that's having the conversation, that that person, like, quote unquote, light bulb goes off. Yeah. Man, that, that should push you to... By the way, I know a lot of people who, they only love harvest time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, I'm not going to go all into you know, that. You don't have time. We don't have time, nor yeah. nor does the audience. That's not how you grow an audience. It's <laughs> Talking about those things uh, is not how you grow the audience. Not a lot of blistery hands no. out there with hands on the plow. No. You know, nobody likes plowing. Nobody likes to plow all day long and then look back at the field and not see anything. Yeah. But it takes real vision to see something. That's right. When you plow a whole ground, you're sunburnt, you're weathered, you don't see a harvest. There's only tilled up soil. Man. But to see if it's green. for Jesus, you get a supernatural vision of the harvest. So good. But took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And he, when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up, now when it says gone up, it means he goes up to Jerusalem. Everything was going up to Jerusalem. He had gone up and greeted the church. So he went up to Jerusalem, greeted the church. Then he went back down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed. He went over to the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, and we're going to close out with this right here. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Now, notice it says eloquent man. Man, he could he could chop it up. Yeah. Man, he could he could make you feel it. And mighty in scriptures. So he wasn't just a charismatic speaker. Speaker. He knew the scriptures. He yes. he knew what the law said. He knew what the word said. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. Now, here's a key. It says fervent in spirit, not fervent in the Holy Spirit. Right. Absolutely. This is in the natural. Yeah. That this is, sometimes we'll see fervent in the spirit and we say, but we're going to see that he wasn't, he didn't have the fullness That's right. of the gospel That's yet. Right. So he's fervent in spirit. He has a lot of passion. I like to say when I first gave my life to Jesus, man, I had, I went from straight up, Never heard about Jesus, didn't care about Jesus, didn't care about God, full-on addiction, angry at everybody to full-on on fire for Jesus. And I had tons of passion. I didn't have a lot of wisdom back then. Yeah, for sure. So my my theology was two are in the field and nobody's That's going. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like nobody's yeah. going, right? Not a lot of wisdom. So it says he's fervent in spirit. He spoke and he taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So this guy, man, he is... He's going after what he knows. That's right. And he is going after the Lord, but he's not there yet. Yeah, which is admirable. Oh, no doubt. The fact that he's going in what he knows is better than knowing and not going anywhere. That's right. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, I think this is so awesome. Aquila and Priscilla, if they would not have been mature in the faith, could have heard this guy speaking boldly and been like, wow. Yeah. Man, what a speaker. Yep. That was good. But that's not what Aquila and Priscilla do. Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So good. Golly. So good. Dude, come on. Like, 
we would be satisfied with walking in and being like, wow, that was so good. Great word. We would have went up to him and went, wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. Aquila and Priscilla are like, hey, man, come over here. That's right. What? No, come over here. There's a, there's a better way. You missed a couple of things. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Which is like, I mean, you probably do it. I mean, I do. Like, I love to sit in congregations where I'm not I'm not the one throwing out the seat. I love to be right. fed. Right. Um, but there's often times when, when I hear a word, especially in, in our area, you know, I hear a word and I'm going, that's a good seat. That's a good word. But you threw it out to a lot of people that are incapable mm -hmm. of living that word out apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Like, it's great, and in theory, but I think Aquila and Priscilla probably heard something that was like, bro, that was really good, but, but. it's almost like you bought a nice car, but there's this thing called a gas tank, and if you don't put the right thing in that gas tank, that's not going to go forth. Yeah, it's almost like, hey, you you did that right. Yeah. As you know it, you gave amazing information. That's right. But there's a revelation to come. Yes. And they a... begin to share with him not the baptism of John. That's right. But the baptism in the Spirit. Yes. There is a all empowering, all encompassing, indwelling. That's right. That if you get that. It's not going to be about you coming into the synagogue and teaching this. No. It's going to be about you going to all the world right. and living it. It will permeate your life. That's right. So it's almost like Apollos is going and he's teaching all this stuff, but there is an empowerment that he's missing in living it himself. Right. And, and I believe personally that Aquila and Priscilla pick up on, they listen to him and it's good and it's great. But yet they're looking at the bigger picture in his life. That's right. They're not looking at him as a speaker, as everybody else no. in the synagogue. They're looking at him as a person. Yeah, and it's so cool to me to see Aquila and Priscilla, which we have to, like, think it Real quick, how, how many Aquilas and Priscillas do you have in that, your life? That's what I was fixing to say. Dude, I mean, how many times would somebody look at you and I and be like, oh, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. Um Hey, good sermon, good sermon. But how many times do we have people walk up to us and go, Hey, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, how are you? Oh, man. Like, how are you? Instead of, Hey, Pastor, man, that was a good sermon. Dude, so just, I mean, two weeks ago, first Sunday of the new year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, preached, came off off platform, and, and our altar team was down front, which is made up of all, all types of people. Right. Happened to have two of my elders down there, and uh, he came up to me and, and gave me a hug, and he did that, man. He said, Pastor, that was a great word. And he didn't even say, how are you? He said, I can see that you're sad. Oof. Yep. And, dude, he he just, he and his wife laid hands on me. They prayed with they me. They were just like, hey, come over here. Just let me look, take you aside. Let me pull you aside. Yeah. Let me speak that I see you. Yeah. And let me be here for you in the in-between before you go out into the hallway and fist bump all the people. Yep. I see that you're sad. Yeah. We want to pray for you. We love you. Yep. Dude means more than any. They weren't looking at you as pastor or what you can give to them. They were looking at you as Eddie. That's right. Your identity, me, who you are, man. And those are the, those, that's the nature that we see here. Yep. It's that we care about this in the future. We care about what is to come. We care about, where God is taking you. 
And and we want to speak to that. We don't care about the speaker Apollos. No. We care about Apollos. You. Because God is going to use you. That's right. And what we do know is that in Ephesus, God uses Apollos, he uses Aquila, and he uses Priscilla. In a huge way. And it ends up being one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. Right. I mean, we talk about 20th century revivals. This was one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world and goes out and really becomes a maybe not the genesis because we know Acts 2 and, and on from there, but it becomes a major paradigm shift yeah. for the growth of the church, the church as a whole. That's right. Absolutely. And it and it it's kind of equated to two obedient spirits and a hum, and a, hum, a humble heart. Yep. Like Apollos and, had and to really it. this is where this is where we have this is where application comes in. A simple act. Yep. Well, let me say this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, yep. you see things differently. Without question. One of the things that I hear from people who may know the scriptures backwards and forwards, may know it theology 101, but don't have the empowerment to go with that and are not living it out actively, empowered by the Holy Spirit, one of the things that they always say is, man, I do not see things the same. That's Even true. the Word. Uh, it's a game changer. Like is, the Word comes alive to me. It's the game changer, man. And so Aquila and Priscilla being filled with the Holy Spirit, not just knowing the Scripture, being filled with the Holy Spirit, see something in this guy. They pull him aside, and it says um, it says in verse 27, And when he had desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. No longer is he in the synagogue. No, it's on the streets. When is he on the streets? After Aquila yep. and Priscilla teach him a more excellent way. That's right. Now he's outside the walls. That's right. See, you want to know one of the things that the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit takes you outside that box, takes you outside of that. Every and box. now you see every single right. opportunity as ministry. That's right. You don't see it in titles. Nope. You don't see it in position. You don't see it in any of those things. Now it is all Jesus 24 7, 100. We use 100 all the time. That's it. But we really don't use it the way it needs to be. No. 100 Jesus. Yes. And it, 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 like, it's the thing that you view neighbors differently. Yep. Neighborhoods differently. Everything. 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 Because it says, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Boom. Everything's going back to Jesus. And the, and the application is this, that when you function like an Aquila and Priscilla. Yes. Listen, you may not be up front. You may not be the one with the mic. You may not be the one that everybody's looking to. You may not be known as the leader. But let me tell you something. You can impact the kingdom of God unlike anyone who ever had yeah, a microphone. For sure. Because Jesus preached to the crowds. That's right. But when the end of the night came, he was with 12 guys. That's right. Around a campfire, mm. eating fish. It wasn't glamorous. He wasn't in the green room. Yeah. His Mercedes wasn't lit up to 72 degrees to take him to the airport for his first-class Delta ticket. Come on, man. To go somewhere else and speak. That's right. Listen, going places and speaking doesn't make you an evangelist. No. No. Just going to be real. It makes you a guest speaker. I mean, you're jumping into the fivefold here. We I am. We don't have time for I this. I am. I'm just... <laughs> because that stuff makes me... I, I don't sin, but it makes me angry. Yeah. And my team knows this. 
the fivefold ministry is not people. It's it is they are gifts given by Jesus to the body, which includes me. That's right. Includes you. Yeah. I may function in one of those gifts, but I don't need to be sticking it on my business card. And nope. that's not what makes me that. It's a gift from Jesus. I have gifts from the Father, I have gifts from the Son, and I have gifts from the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And that is what these people understood. That's they right. understood the kingdom of God right. in its proper context. And I love it. And and probably less than needing more Apollos in the body of Christ today, we need more Aquilas and Priscillas. Yes. In the body, yes. Who will take Apollos to the side and go, hey, man, we believe in you. That's right. You're awesome. But guess what? <sighs> you're not a speaker. You're Apollos. And to tag along with that that beautiful truth is I'm going to speak to leaders for a second. We almost need more leaders that would have the humility. We assume it's humility because we see it in Ephesus Yep. that Apollos didn't rebuke it. Yeah. He received it. Yep. He received the underneath position of, of the covering. So we need more leaders that are willing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to allow this spirit filled elder Yep. To speak into my life. Yep. Regardless if I was on platform or off, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because if you don't have fathers and mothers, that's right. That's what I'm you saying. You cannot like, be a father and a mother to somebody that's else. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, you may call it mentor, you may call it whatever, but you're going to end up like a Pharaoh. Yep. And Pharaohs never rose up slaves that's to right. be better than them, but fathers and mothers always raise their kids to be better. That's right. My ceiling, your floor. Yep. And that was Aquila and Priscilla. Man, what an awesome chapter. So good. Man, we chopped that up, y'all. We broke that thing down. We broke it all the way down. Awesome. Listen, you need to take this. You don't need to just take it and go, oh, that was a good word. You need to break this down for yourself. You need to take this, not just information, but there was revelation that came out of this conversation. You don't need to just tweet it out and make it 140 characters. Get it in your life. Live it out. Let there be fruit from this word because that's what the word of God is living. It's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, it'll break your soul down. It'll get right to the spirit. And in the spirit, there should be fruit that comes out of that, we're told in Galatians. So, uh, man, Eddie, thanks, man. This was awesome, dude. Loved it. Love it. Um, Hey, before we go, uh, Eddie, I know you've got a new podcast coming out. Yeah, man. And uh, so tell us about that. Tell everybody where they can find that at. Yeah, really quick. Uh, at the end of the month, we'll be recording our first session. Mid-February, we'll release it to the public. You'll be able to stream it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, it's called Resurrection and Waiting Podcast. It's a, it's an attempt to dive into the raw, honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations that people are scared to have, but where God delights in being. Yeah. Because they're all things in our life that unless the Spirit of God speaks to it, those things will be dead. Yeah. So we're going to ask them that we would be resurrections uh, in waiting. So I hope you check it out. We'd love to see how the Lord uses it to bless you in ministry. You'll probably be seeing Pastor Scott along with several other pastors um, in the city. So we, we can't wait to get it out there. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks again for joining us for the Midweek Move. Man, again, dig in. Take your next step in Jesus. Grow. Don't just go from moment to moment. Grow from moment to moment. We love you. May the Lord bless you.